0: the cnbc app global market news in one place customizable sections and personalized alerts stocks tracking interactive charts and market insights all in your hands stay connected stay informed download the cnbc app today welcome to the program everybody you're watching Box and here are your headlines sam bankman freed is arrested in the bahamas and faces extradition to the u.s with prosecutors expected now to charge the former poster boy of the crypto industry with wire and securities fraud. US equities kick off a critical week of central bank decisions and economic data on a high, with investors hoping a softer inflation print stateside today could set the tone going into 2023. China and Hong Kong
1: continuing to loosen COVID restrictions, dropping their state-mandated mobile tracking apps as the region continues to unwind some of the world's strictest COVID curves. And EU energy ministers prepare to meet in Brussels for crunch talks on a gas price cap. As the bloc is warned about potential shortages next winter, NATO's Jens Stoltenberg tells CNBC's Hadley Gamble, relations between the West and Russia may never fully heal.
0: Even if the fighting ends, will not return to some kind of normal, friendly relationship with uh, uh, Russia. Trust has been destroyed.
1: Morning, how are you? Yeah, very good, I I braved the the mean streets of Sussex to get in. You'll be pleased to know. How how was the snow? Well, ironically, up on the forest, it was, yes, it was, you know, Proper, you know, for someone who's snow. had a New England winter, we had an inch of snow, you know. Yes. Come on, or, or a Siberian winter, or a Kiev winter, or wherever you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it was like I don't real know. real snow like Jasper in in December. Right. In no, it was it was <laughs> it was, in a, it was <laughs> okay. enough to shut down Go Britain about an anyway. Inch, then. Something like <laughs> about that. Had an inch. Yeah. 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 Um, so we asked right. a question yesterday, didn't we, about uh, whether. Sam bankman freed was going to turn up in D.C. or whether he was going to do it through some video link to speak to Maxine Waters and the crew at the Senate, uh, the Financial Services Committee, the House, I think it was. Uh, and, and we got our answer quite quickly because you said to me, "No, no, he always intended to do it
0: yeah, I via think, video I link." Think, I think the messaging from Sam bankman freed was, i be very happy to testify." Very happy, virtually, virtually, <laughs>
1: not not turn up in U.S. jurisdiction. But it
0: looks like the authorities have a different idea about
1: yeah, this. Yeah, it looks like a few of the authorities are kind of saying, mm. "No, you." come over here and we'll have a chat. And and that's kind of what's happened. Sam Bankman-Fried has been arrested in the Bahamas after U.S. prosecutors filed criminal charges against the FTX founder. A sealed indictment will be released later today detailing the charges, which are said to include fraud and money laundering, according to multiple reports. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission has also separately Authorized charges related to violations of American securities laws. Bankman Fried is expected to be extradited to the United States, setting the stage for a trial. Now, Bankman Fried previously told CNBC he wasn't concerned about criminal liability.
2: That's not what I'm focusing on. Um, it's, uh, there's going to be a time and a place for me to sort of think about myself and my own future, but I don't think this is it? Like, right now, I mean, look, I, I've had a bad month. Um, <laughs> this has not been a fun month for me, but that's not what matters here. Like, what matters here is the millions of customers. What matters here is all the stakeholders in FTX uh, who, who got hurt.
1: So, Bankman fried was due to testify in Congress today alongside FTX's new court-appointed CEO, John Ray III. Prepared remarks from Ray show he will tell lawmakers how FTX went on a $5 billion spending binge and commingled assets from FTX and Alameda Research. Ray will also say he has never seen, quote, such an utter failure of corporate controls in his career. Um, 1957. Yeah. Twelve Angry Men, and the, and there was an unbelievable film with uh, Henry Fonda. Mm. And if our viewers haven't seen it, watch it. I know you know people like the modern movies, and what have you. But some of the old f- movies, especially U.S., mm. your know, Spencer Traces, your Bette Davis's, your Clark, that are absolutely phenomenal. And Henry Fonda had his mm. place. Mm. So my my point is, is convoluted, but I, I believe in the U.S. justice system. Of course, there are perversions of justice. All around the world. But Mm. by and large, I think you get a fair hearing in the United States legal system as well. So almost our conversation now is redundant because this goes now, we think, the way it looks like it's going to go to U.S. courts of law, to U.S. justice system as well. Mm. Uh, And Bankman Free will presumably get the best defense attorneys that money can buy. Uh, And and of course, the US uh, legal system will will throw its full weight at this case and studiously go through the case because they don't want a very public trial, which then they make mistakes. And so I I believe in the US justice system. I I think we'll get to the right result from this as well. And we'll all see what the truth is rather than the smoke and mirrors that I think we've been served up so far uh, by parties in this as well. We've seen so many non-mayor culpers uh, from Bankman Freed about how he was just a babe in the woods. He's gone from uh, unbelievably smart MIT genius to, oh, I didn't really understand, yeah, I got carried away, I should have done better, blah, blah, blah. Well, let's just see what the legal system turns up on this one as well, and then we'll get to the facts.
0: Look, there'll be a body of diehard believers who think it's all a conspiracy, uh, and ultimately... What, the Bahamas uh, flat, or what? The whole... Uh, uh, prosecution that's being lined up here because they'll look at it and well this is a fix isn't it ultimately cryptocurrency millions of creditors will think that cryptocurrency came came close to challenging the uh, primacy of fiat currencies and now the system is taking them down well let's leave them to believe whatever fantasies they want to believe here I agree with you I think let you Due process uh, run its course here and we'll find out what really happened hopefully and then if anybody needs to take the consequences for that then they will take the consequences. I think for, uh, for those who have any of this currency at the moment um, or any crypto assets, I think the question is, where, where are the other bodies buried at this stage? And there is a process now underway to expose malfeasance and a bad practice wherever it was. And I think very interesting that Reuters and others have started reporting within the last 48 hours that there is more focus now on Binance and CZ someone we've interviewed on a number of occasions I think from Dubai where I think I believe he is I don't think there's an extradition treaty between uh, Dubai and the United States, but but we'll see. I'm sure that has nothing to do with the fact that he's there. But the, the question at the moment seems to be... He hasn't been charged with anything. He hasn't been charged with anything, no, right. but there is a discussion taking place, apparently, and all the reports suggest from Reuters and others that the U.S. Justice Department appears to be split over deciding whether to charge Binance uh, on money laundering arguments. Now, um, we don't know whether anything wrong has been done here. We're just following uh, the news flow and the reports uh, and the terrific work that some of these reporters are digging up at the moment. But it does seem that the DOJ are compiling a folder which they think would allow this to take forward a case. We'll see. But if that happens, then that is another giant in the crypto space that would fall. And ultimately, it would indicate perhaps just how pervasive um, activities have been in this space that are not acceptable in the normal world of fiat currency transaction, where there are lots of guardrails put in place. So I think this is another story that we just need to watch. I mean, the Sam bankman fried story will now run its course and there is um, legal jurisdiction involved. Um, I think the Binance case now is something that okay. we just need to keep a weathered eye on, so, because I think that would be enormous.
1: Let's just say, and let's take CZ out of this, and let's take Sam Bankman-Fried out of this. So I'm parking that conversation over there, because I want what I want to say is, uh, apart from that, so mm. I'm not talking about mm. those gentlemen, OK? Mm. There are enormous numbers of crooks and snake oil salesmen in this business, in crypto. People who are trying to take money from others and create pyramids as well. Isn't it great if all the crooks come out of that business and the joys and benefits of blockchain, which we know there are a lot of benefits of blockchain because all the finance chiefs tell us so. But actually, if we take out these people who are accused and are practicing malfeasance in the crypto space. And I'm 100% just for legal purposes, not talking about those two gentlemen. I'm talking about the the, the pyramid selling of products, the, the theft of people's money, the theft from their wallets as well. Um, all kinds of issues going on. Um, Isn't it good, though, that we get clarity and actually we can move on from that? Because if crypto is the future, it's going to need to lose these individuals and these organizations who are trying to steal money. Uh, And actually, it could well be something very successful, potentially, if a lot of the malfeasance is taken out.
0: Yeah, no, I I I can't disagree with any of that. I mean, the the CBDC, the central bank investigation into the relevance and value of these for lowering global transaction costs I think it, it's still work that's worth doing, and definitely, you know, for anybody that's um, gone to the airport, God forbid, and paid up you have huge no charges. For those people huge charges I do um, and you don't. for FX transactions.
1: This is the man ladies the and gentlemen, who. who... You always know where Jeff's going two days before he goes on holiday, because it's, I'm just popping down Fleet Street, and I know exactly where you're going. <laughs> <But> <laughs> and this is why, so Jeff then goes to his money changer, or, or, or FX. A did, money changer. A money changer, and you change up your currency, don't you? Yeah, but and I then when you get to the airport, bit of cash. you love looking at those appalling levels, yes from the people
0: there because they are, yes. just uh,
1: they are I can't believe they're legal.
0: Forewarned is forearmed. And let's face <laughs> it, anybody that changes money at the airport is... Um, may have is other either, things going they, on in their life. Well, they, they, they may. But, but I just wanted to make another point <laughs> here. Um, j- just very briefly, um, blockchain. You know, forever, it feels like we've sat around this desk and we've talked about, well, the crypto stuff, we don't understand. Blockchain, we kind of understand the, the security of the process and the transaction very important. But I'm starting to wonder where is the delivery? I mean, this is a tangential side note to where we came in on this conversation. But I did notice yesterday as we were talking about the change of helm at Maersk, that Maersk has actually just put to bed a deal that they had with IBM for some years that was all about evolving the blockchain and using it in a business way, um, in, in the transactions that they do around uh, the, the, the list of uh, um, uh, things they carry, and where they're going, and the blockchain would provide security and so on and so forth. And it seems that they've put that arrangement to bed here. And increasingly, beyond a few central banks like the Bank of France, which have used the blockchain creatively, I think, for a bond issuance, not really hearing a lot about real-life implementation. I mean, is this another one of the sort of tech stories that we were told was going to be incredibly important, ah, but seems to be a bit no. more like a submarine? It may be happening, but it's very much below the surface. So,
1: so I, Someone
0: said to me a, a while back, and I, I thought it was very tr- a great
1: truism, all those amazing internet companies we had and we saw in 1998, 1999, that then a lot of them went bust in 2000. Yeah. But the internet's changed all of our lives, Forever i think yeah. i think it's been the most amazing technological change perhaps yeah. you could argue that and mobile phones but i guess they're related as well yeah. in 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 the last 40 50 years stunning technology but but show me a pure internet company that just provides internet that is actually making vast amounts of money from it uh, and it's hard to do so. I mean, one will look at the telcos, but they've struggled enormously with their infrastructure costs and always bringing on the next thing, where it's 4, 5, six g whatever. Mm. So, so I think the technologies are here to stay in many cases, but it's just a question of if you are a pure play of that area, it is hard to monetize as well, whereas mm. every single company worth its note on the planet mm. has a form of internet access from the smallest one in, in the high street in Oxfordshire or, or, or to the biggest companies in the world. So mm. yes, the technology is here. It's just a question of who monetizes it. Uh, let's move on from the conversation. Oh, Go on. I want to just finish off. Go on. Because we're talking about courtroom dramas. Right, right. So, the greatest courtroom drama of all time. What film do you think is. A killer Mockingbird. Well, yeah, oh, so you've got. Okay. Well, you've got. Th- Not I, that I, one. I, I thought three Something in my else. head. Go I on. agree Atticus uh-huh. Finch, Killer Mockingbird um Henry Fonda I just mentioned 12 angry men right is one of the jurors yes or you've got inherit the wind with Spencer Tracy so I thought they were the three
0: uh, what about the uh, the military one as well yeah that's in there um, That's in there. right
1: that's it so okay 12 angry men this is according to ibdm.com okay 12 angry men I think that's fair to say I mean it's stunning if you haven't seen it at the end of scorebox just go and watch it don't go to work just watch that 12 angry men the second film I didn't see this. Again, Spencer Tracy, Burt Lancaster, Richard Widmark, Marlene Dietrich. Judgment at Nuremberg. Right. Didn't see that coming. Number three comes in your Atticus Finch, Um, uh, Killer Mockingbird. Four, Justice for All. Don't even know the movie. Al Pacino, Jack Warden. Don't know that. Five, Witness for the Prosecution. That's a British movie. And number six is Inherit the Wind. Right. That's
0: my Christmas viewing sorted out. Courtroom dramas. There'll be no elf
1: for me this Christmas. It'll be all courtroom dramas. (laughs) Very nice. Lucky Mrs. Sedgwick.
0: Uh, Lucky Mrs. Sedgwick. Um, I'm sure she says that to herself every day. (laughs) Uh, US inflation is expected to have slowed again last month when the Bureau of Labor Statistics publishes its latest reading today on a yearly basis. CPI forecast to decline to 7.3%, according to Reuters, uh, from 7.7%. The month before a soft inflation reading could spark a strong rally with the s p 500 jumping as much as 10 percent so says jp morgan's sales and trading desk well the federal reserve will kick off its final meeting of 2022 today with the central bank widely expected to slow the pace of its rate increases. CME Federal Funds Futures are pointing to a 50 basis point hike which would lift the Fed Funds rate to a range of 4.25% to 4.5%. Fed officials will also publish a new set of economic projections through to 2025. Uh, Consumers growing more optimistic about inflation in November. Respondents told a New York Federal Reserve survey they see one-year inflation running at 5.2%. That's the lowest reading of the year, as consumers expect price rises for a range of key goods and services to ease. What's interesting is even as they're getting more optimistic about inflation falling, they're becoming more pessimistic about equity market performance and all of the surveys on sentiment now around equity markets both institutional and retail show quite a lot of pessimism about forward-looking returns from equity markets which probably explains why they're going up
1: I don't mean to be rude but how good is retail confidence about equity markets or
0: institutional for that matter let's face it yeah there you go
1: but 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 how good is that a marker And the reason I say that is because when you see these long uh, anecdotes and stories of the market, it's always like the retail investor is the last one in at the top and the retail investor is seen as the last one at the bottom. So whether that's true or not, I think there is a truism to it to a certain degree. Who knows as well? Look, there is no doubt about it, and I've been banging on about this the whole month as well. Mm. The next two days are stunningly important for the narrative for the rest of the year, certainly but maybe into January uh, and the prospect of a meaningful rally. And we had a you know, terrific day if you were long yesterday as well, but you had an awful week the week before mm. if you were long the market as well. And it's been very, very tough to own equities in the round from a top down um, viewpoint now bottom up i think there's some amazing stories out there and there's some amazing movements of individual stocks but that's a lot harder to do than just buying some form of uh, passive product or just finding some form of indexation or what have you so so no doubt about it cpi today fomc and the sep as part of the fomc tomorrow the summer of economic prode- uh, projections the dot plot absolutely key for the short term but the problem is we're doing that classic mistake mm. uh, of pinning everything on one piece of data. And I'm making that exact same mistake. That's my point. I'm, but but yeah. thereafter, there'll be another piece of data. And thereafter, there'll be more CPI concerns. And thereafter, there'll be another evolving credit concern as well. So the fear about recession will not abate. And the fear about where the Fed goes and whether it's gone too far and what the lag effect is on their rate hikes, that won't abate. After tomorrow, by the time we have all that information from the two pieces of data dump that we're looking Mm. for. But people will think it does, and that's a dangerous scenario.
0: How sticky is the inflation? It seems to me that is now the new debate, really. Um, I mean, we spent a lot of the uh, third and fourth quarter of this year fixating on the pivot. And that was the market narrative and a reason to um, to begin buying risk again, because we've obviously had a bounce off the October low that we saw for the S&P. But now I think the debate is shifting into just how long lasting will this inflation be? Because the, the Goldilocks scenario has us magically getting back to 2% relatively quickly and difficult when you look at the historical periods where we've seen inflation spikes like this, to believe that it falls away quite that rapidly. And it was interesting listening to Brian Moynihan yesterday saying that he thinks it's going to be around for some time here, because the, 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 the markets have, have sort of decided that as long as we continue to get weakening inflation prints, everything is going to be okay. But Quite frankly, anything that's still got seven percent at the front end is going to be worrisome for the Federal Reserve, and will encourage it to continue with the pace of hiking here. And and again, that's you know the problem here because what are we heading into in 2023? Is it going to be a world where we have low inflation? Um, if we have low inflation, it's because interest rates have gone high if interest rates have gone high do we then get low growth if we get low growth and low inflation in a, in a world where we 've got high debt where ultimately are we going on earnings how can that be a good scenario for equity markets
1: um, there is uh, and, and I think your point is very well made as ever mayva say so on the longevity of higher inflation as well. I think the market likes to think that things can have some form of capitulation, can have some form of peak and then can move away very, very quickly as well. But I mean, again, there is a wealth of information out there, ladies and gentlemen, about looking at historical trends Mm. on inflation. Uh, And I'll I'll just very, very quickly talk about the spike that we had post the oil shock in the 1970s because that's the one that we compare most with and that's the one where people worry about the Fed making its mistakes. So let me just very quickly just tell you about some of the levels. I mean, I'll just pick out one month of the year uh, per year because there's there's so much data available. So for instance, in 1973, there was 3.6% inflation in January of that year. Then it spiked, oil price crisis happening uh, to 1974 of January, uh, 9.4%. 1975, 11.8%. So already there, Mm. you have a two-year event with a big spike of inflation. Then Dare I say, it dipped a little bit down to a low of 5.2% in 1977, Mm. but then started to pick up again. And so in 1981, you still had 11.8%. And in 1982, you had 8.4%. Now, then it started abated. But my point is there from 1974 to 1982. That is, I think, what we can call the duration of the inflation shock, certainly in the United States. That was eight years. I think that's the point mm. all right well look, i've done most of the hard work well jeff has actually he does all the hard work yeah i just say something piffy about a film or something but, but 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 we did have a very good rally yesterday if you were along the market of course don't forget that we saw indices such as the russell 2k down over five percent last week such as the dow transports down over five percent last week so yes a, a solid rally going into these numbers but again you've got two days where you are going to get a wealth of information which you are going to make a lot of decisions on ladies and gentlemen whether that information gives you the fuller picture. I hope I've just put it into some form of context, telling you that the inflation shock that wasn't there in 73 was there enormously in 74, and to a certain degree lasted until 1982. And of course, you will recall that accompanied that was a vicious recession. Uh, parts of that period as well. So ju- just just be careful on one month's interpretation, although you will get a lot more information. And of course, um, having more information will make you make better decisions. Should we look at the Treasuries going into that as well? Because the uh, 10 years trading at 3.61, here we are. Again, pretty beautifully behaved actually on the, the medium size end of the curve or the longish end, the very long end, 3.56, 5.7, uh, and at the short end, 4.3. Seven. Uh, Asian indices. Let's have a look at where they are currently trading. Flat on the KOSPI over in South Korea. Flat on the Shanghai Composite. And gains for the Hang Seng and the Nikkei 225. European European I think I saw them mildly high. Let's have a look. Indeed, that is what we have so far. After a, a, a bit of a sell-off yesterday, four-tenths of 1% easier for the major European bosses across the board. But again, we're looking at the US futures. And I'm not t- here to tell you don't worry about what the futures are showing at the moment. But I'm just here to say... There's bigger events to come, isn't there, over the next 48 hours. So that's what you need to look at. But we do have um, some minor positivity uh, on the U.S. opening calls.
0: Jeffrey, Still to come on the programme then, China has launched a legal action against the United States over its new chip export controls. Uh, we'll talk about that when we come back. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. Hong Kong has further eased COVID restrictions for international travelers with measures on people visiting bars or restaurants scrapped from tomorrow. Authorities will also remove the need for visitors to have an amber code, with Chief Executive John Lee saying the risk of COVID cases being imported is lower than the risk of local infection. China has deactivated its mobile tracking app. Authorities said the state-run app, which has been in use for the last three years and uses phone signals to track whether someone has travelled to an area considered to be high risk, would cease to function. Similar mobile apps operated by provinces and other regional Chinese governments, however, still remain in place. Let's get an update on these stories from sam and sam interesting starting to see pictures of people queuing up at so-called fever clinics now as there is obviously a rush on to try and get your hands on any kind of cold or flu related medicine that might ease symptoms just give us an update what is this um, new shift in policy going to mean
2: Good morning to you, Jeff. Well, I was speaking to someone in Beijing just in the last 48 hours who said one of those queues is around six hours long. And, of course, it is winter over in China at this stage, uh, very cold up in the capital, uh, no doubt. So, uh, of course, that is what people are enduring as what we're seeing now is quite a complicated situation because we've seen a lot of this testing being scrapped. And as a result of that, a lot of the transparency has gone away because a lot of those cases, of course, are closely correlated with that testing. But what is making that so difficult now is just to pinpoint how many cases there actually are at the moment. What we're hearing anecdotally is that uh, infections are very much on the rise in households and workplaces. And so we are starting to see clues as to how much this is spreading in places like Beijing with, as you say, long lines queuing up outside pharmacies, hospitals and clinics, people checking for fevers, trying to stock up on things like cough medicine, etc. Beijing authorities have been out with data in the last uh, few days as well saying that people who are seeking fever treatment reached around 22,000, that is up 16 times from last week. We've also seen an interesting note out from Nomura overnight saying that Baidu word searches, of course, this being the uh, Google of China, uh, so to speak, those COVID-related search words, things like fever uh, and antigen tests have been surging and that certainly is an indication Uh, that people are worried about this virus and that perhaps these infections are on the rise. And so, as I say, that is what is threatening to sort of complicate the reopening at this stage. And I think that is why we have certainly seen investors turning more cautious as they are waiting to see what happens over the winter months uh, with, of course, the mass migration over the Chinese New Year, of course, coming up in just a few weeks time. What we have seen, as you mentioned, was this ubiquitous mobile tracking app, which Does tell people whether they've been in a COVID affected area being dismantled and that is a a big step certainly in uh, the right direction. A lot of people cheering this news today because it will allow people to travel a lot easier and particularly ahead of that mass migration and I think what's important to point out uh, just very quickly is that is no doubt underscored the sense of urgency now to get the elderly vaccinated with a lot of people heading home of course uh, to those villages perhaps for Chinese New Year so it's jabs in the arms and certainly fortifying that health care System uh, in those rural communities.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to CNBC.com
2: or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve
1: Sedgwick, and Karen Cho weekdays on CNBC.